Hi, welcome to the Weight Endurance Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the podcasting table with my lovely co-host, Kathy Waite. Thank you. (laughs) Hello, everyone. We're here taking you through our seasonal training methods and progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider. Uh, We're on to episode 35 this week and uh, diving into interval training as a topic. Yeah, kind just of, kind of like a basic, basic in a way, like what is interval training? So we'll t- touch on uh, it as a spectrum and um, share our thoughts about training via fancy methods with data and perceived effort and just like why do we train with intervals? Yeah, and we're a couple of weeks into, three weeks into our sort of high intensity training block for ourselves and mm-hmm. our, our we development team. Uh, following our anaerobic threshold booster training plan. Get all the words in there. <laughs> it's a long one. Tongue twister. <laughs> so we talked about that in the last episode, 34, where we wrapped up um, the aerobic training block and kind of what we were going to be doing for mm-hmm. this block that we're in now. So it just seems like the perfect topic. It's like fresh in our minds. We're doing intervals, uh, interval sessions twice a week ourselves and with the kids um, mm-hmm. or with the weed development team. And then a lot of our adult athletes following the plan are doing it as well. So I um, thought we'd just dig deeper into interval training and talk about it. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, we, what have we been up to? I mean, just training and... Training, getting our three teenage daughters kind of into the summer mode because school is finished for all three of them. And yeah, school's finally over. They're looking for jobs. Things got a little topsy-turvy with the pandemic, like the three three of them had jobs secured and then all of those jobs fell through because yeah they really of... got hosed on that i know so they've been busy they're lifeguards to fill our our listeners in yeah. they're, they're all three lifeguards for the city rec centers which are now have are being closed all summer long they've decided well and our oldest daughter was going to work at a camp in massachusetts and that closed down so right so, so she... that completely turned her summer upside down but i mean they're all making do and trying to find jobs and been kind of pounding the pavement there yep yep um, and cruising along, but yeah, we've been training pretty solidly. Yeah, it's been good. And yeah. now that things have loosened up in terms of the pandemic um, regulations, we have been able to see some of the Weedebo riders joining on the interval days. And yeah, the that's long been days. really nice. And some of the parents aren't quite comfortable yet letting their kids, and that's fine. Like we just said, when you're allowed and comfortable to to train with us, meet us here or there. Yeah, and we've gotten to see. A bunch of them. It's been fun. Yeah, I mean, every training session. So we've been doing our training sessions on or interval sessions on Tuesdays and Fridays, mm-hmm. and um, every one we've had four to six weed development riders with us, and mm-hmm. and then plus you and me, and um, that's been fun. I love it. It like fills my heart with joy when I see them. Yeah. It well, yeah. It makes the workouts more fun. It's fun to connect with the riders in person. Not just our weekly Zoom call where they yeah, don't really are so say anything. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get don't say a word. Conference calls with teenagers are yeah. Like you see half of Ethan's face. <laughs> Alex is washing his bike. Yeah, <laughs> we'll say stuff and then there'll be like no response. Like, hello, <laughs> do you guys yeah. understand? So what I feel saying? really badly for the teachers who had to teach on. Zoom oh calls. yeah, I can't imagine. A lot of yeah. sympathy. Shout for the out teachers. to Darren who might be listening and right. he teaches at Devlin. We feel sorry for you, Darren. We're glad you have a summer break now. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, we'll dive into the topic, uh, interval training. Where do, what is it? Yeah, where do, exactly do we start? Yeah, just b- simple definition, basically, or, or get the concept defined. Because I think there's a lot of confusion with 
interval training in the sense that a lot of people immediately go to it's like throw up level of Mm. pushing yourself so if you do an interval it means you're going to be so sick at the end that you are on the ground gasping or feeling like you're going to throw up yeah i think that's a big misconception or Mm -hmm. a common one for sure that yeah i think that concept's out there too like in the crossfit world or um, hit training high intensity interval training and so people get this idea that intervals mean you're going to throw up. Right, right. And that's not really the point of them. Right. Or, or the way to do them effectively. Or sustainably. Or sustain. Yeah, exactly. Or sustainably. Because the whole point of, well, in training in general is to do the right amount of work mm-hmm. for the individual based on your fitness and experience and give a slight overload to the, to the body that from which that body can recover and repair from that stress or overload or you know small level of overload and subsequently become stronger and that's how you sort of go up the fitness ladder you know it's like you take two steps up a step back two steps up mm-hmm. a step back as you work hard you recover you work harder you work recover um and if you're just always throttling yourself to the max i think you're just oftentimes digging a hole that's difficult to recover from. And Agreed. You, you might improve for two, three, four weeks, and then you're definitely going to stagnate, if not worse, you know, go down or, or hurt yourself or whatever. So, um, Well, I want to tell a little story from a training session we had, but maybe just read that definition you have for interval training so yeah. we, don't, we don't go down a rabbit trail okay. too much. Okay, good, good point. So what is interval training? I mean, in, in, the, in its simplest concept, it's, it's taking a high-intensity maximal effort breaking it into smaller more manageable segments or intervals so you're taking something that so let's say a vo2 max interval um a very common interval you're taking something that a duration let's say about 15 minutes you know a lot of people's vo2 max um if they're going to go as hard as they could for 15 minutes, you're going to be... And this is the go-to-throw-up, basically. Like, mm-hmm. running a 5K, running, or, um, you know, I don't even know on a, most bike races are longer than 15 minutes. Oh, but, a short track. No, actually, Sophia's... Yeah, I guess like a short track. Sophia's short track or, distance was exactly 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, or short races on the track or mm-hmm. something that I'm not as familiar with. But, you know, a VO2 two max effort could can, for a lot of people, be as long as, say, 15 minutes. And it can vary. You're, so you're taking this 15-minute maximal effort, and instead of in training to train VO2, doing a 15-minute maximal effort, mm-hmm. you're going to take that 15 minutes and break it into something, you know, keep it simple, five times three minutes at that same VO2 max level of intensity. Right. So you're taking where you what is extremely difficult and painful and want to make you throw up for 15 minutes straight, break it into five three-minute segments with say, three minutes of recovery in between, and suddenly it's not so bad. And over the training session, you've trained 15 minutes at that VO2 max intensity, so you've applied very much the same load, but you've strung it out and made it more accomplishable and less Mm -hmm. stressful. So you've got the training effect from it, but without as much stressful damage. Well, you referenced the phrase slight overload, a couple minutes ago, and okay. I think that's really key. Slight overload. And that's the the difference of perspective we have when we're 
prescribing intervals to people or doing them ourselves mm -hmm. is that it's um, just enough effort, a slight overload to our bodies so that we're, we're going to see um, something accomplished and we're going to become stronger from it, but we're not going to be so dis just crushed or smashed, right? Um, shackle blasted, <laughs> that we can't... Um, repeat the efforts or do another workout the next day. Exactly. And that's in therein lies like the cons part of training, which is consistency. And mm -hmm. if you just empty the bucket on one day of training, it's going to take you several days before you're actually fully recovered. And therefore right. the training you can do over those next several days is going to be somewhat compromised. So why not do something that's like just hard enough right. to elicit a response, but yet you can recover from it with relative ease and then keep training the next day. Uh, you know, maybe it's not the same intervals again the next day, but maybe it's a, an endurance ride or a, a little bit lower intensity level of intensity of intervals or whatever right. the case may be on the, the plan you're doing. But um, it's not about just crushing yourself. Yeah, and you got to save that for race day. Exactly. It's hard to dig that deep very often. Right. And, and so and save it. A common misconception I, I I see all the time that people will see this five by three minutes VO2 and in their mind it's like, I'm going to go as hard as I possibly can go for each of those three minutes. And what happens is the first one or two or maybe even three are going to be, if, if you're going into it with that mindset, are going to be well above VO2 max power output for training by power. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to really fade and you know, numbers three, four, and five and drop off and more than likely not be able to be in that same power level at the right. end. So there's that pacing element to it um, where if you go so hard in the first couple, I mean, by definition, you can only do a maximal effort really once. So if you go as hard as you can for the first three-minute <laughs> interval, you're going to only be going downhill in power output right? and training as you go through the second interval, third interval, fourth interval, fifth interval. And it's just not quite as effective. Not only that, though, it's also way more painful <laughs> and less enjoyable. And right. it makes these, if you go, if you approach your interval workouts as like maximum efforts, you're not going to want to do intervals for very long. You're going to hate yeah. intervals. You're going to hate interval days. Yeah. When in fact, I really love interval days. Me too. Because I, I find them to be more engaging and um, more rewarding, right? Like you, you feel so good about, accomplishing the four by 16 minute intervals like oh i did it that's amazing and i struggle to be honest with doing those longer rides the three hour rides the four hour rides the five hour rides because it seems so big and bit yeah yeah and maybe monotonous a little bit monotonous yeah. and it's yeah sometimes i'm looking at my my little computer and going oh oh i've only ridden my bike for 40 minutes i have a long way to go but and i really like the the tasks to check off the list yeah where, I know I'm going to do, say, four by 16-minute intervals, and before I know it, I'm done with a workout, and it was a good bang for my buck. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a, a great point. It's very, interval training is very um, time... Uh, effective. Effective, and, yeah, the, and you can get a lot done in a small amount of time. Right. Um they're very, they're great, if not necessary, for trainer workouts, Um as, you know, rather than just jumping on the trainer and pedaling mindlessly for 90 minutes. Well, I tried that today. I <laughs> just did my core workout and then I 
was going to spit on the trainer for 30 minutes, and I could not have been more bored. Yeah. It was killing me. But had you... I finally stood up for five minutes. Yeah. that The five minutes was the most interesting part right. of the whole 30 minutes when I stood. Yeah. So the intervals really make things more engaging and um, and subsequently more effective as well um, with that. So try to, I guess the, the take-home is intervals should be paced properly, mm-hmm. um, and there's a there's a lot of components, which I guess is what we'll talk about going into this. Yeah, I don't want to um, jump ahead, but like, are we we're going to talk about different kinds of intervals and pacing and and using um, data points to pace versus like rate of perceived effort. We're, we're going to kind of get into that part of it too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to jump ahead. Well, and then we wanted to talk about if you have a power meter or if you have just a heart rate monitor or if you're just mm-hmm. going by RPE and some of the benefits of. Of those. Yeah, it's a, that'll be a great discussion. I, I just tend to jump ahead sometimes with you. Okay, should we get right into it? Sure. Okay. Um, so when you were training as a young pro out in San Diego, mm-hmm. what did what metrics did you use to train? Um, good question. So that would have been, geez, somewhere like late 90s, okay. I think. So um, power meters were like just coming on to the scene. Um, when I f- was first starting out, I did not have a power meter. We did have heart rate monitors. Um, my coach, Arnie Baker in San Diego, um, was actually involved, I don't know to what level, maybe just a basic test person, but with the one of the early power meters um, called the Tune Power Tap, which then became the power tap we know today. Mm, okay. But the original company was a German company, I believe, called Tune, um, and that was the hub-based uh, power meter. And I think the only other one out there on bike at the time was the SRM. They were one of the early, maybe the earliest on bike outdoor power meter available. Um, but even they were still relatively new and you didn't, they were far and few between. So power and training with power was definitely like a new thing. Um, and I obtained one of those tune um, power taps somewhere right around 2000, mm-hmm. give or take a year or two. Um, as well. And we were just trying them out and learning how to use them. And, you know, prior to that, it was all heart rate based and then also perceived exertion. You know, it was, you know, a a workout was prescribed of, let's just stick, stick with the same example, five by three minutes. And it was like, go hard. And you had to kind of learn over time how to pace yourself. Because if you went too hard in the first one or two, it would be extremely difficult to get through the last one but you could get through it because you didn't know at that time if the power was going up or down and inevitably it was probably going down but your because your heart rate you could still get it up to a target heart rate um and then the feeling when done correctly intervals should actually feel relatively comfortable the first one or two Mm -hmm. of a set you should feel like you're holding back yeah and then they get you're doing the same amount of work, but they feel harder as you go. But back then, you necessarily didn't always know that because right. you didn't know what the power was that you were doing. So, um, and we would do a lot of distance-based intervals too, which was a little bit different. So, um, one I remember the most common example is going by time, five by three minutes. But we also had some routes um, in the hills in San Diego with. Uh, I don't know if Arnie did it or somebody within the club he was working with. They'd go out and paint, like, spray paint at little X's and O's mm-hmm. on the road on, like, this one particular climb that was, like, my memory, you know, I mean, it's like a 30-minute long climb. 
And when you come up to like an O spray painted on the on the road, it was go. Go hard. Yeah. And so you'd go hard to the next and then the, where the X was or the plus, I can't remember if it was X or a plus, but um, then you stopped and then you yeah. rode easily to the next O and then you went hard again. So it would effectively be, you know, five intervals of around three minutes, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked really well because we were training yeah, in a, sure. a group too. So it was like, if it sort of spread out, it was fine, but we all did the same. Well, it sort of reminds me of effort. how I trained as a runner in high school for cross country. Okay. We'd be running along a, a wood, woodsy area and it was like, okay, when you get to that bench, you're going to run hard to that big willow tree and then you're going to slow down. And then when you get to the fence, you're going to run hard to that playground set. And it was a really good way to get a good run workout in. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like a... Fartlek style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I have a feeling... We should have researched this before starting the recording, but I would assume running is probably where interval training came from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very possible. Yeah, I mean, especially on the track, it's a very controlled environment already, so it would be easy to prescribe that. And I know in the cycling history... Interval training is relatively new. Um, I mean, back in the, you know, probably pre, I don't know exactly, so don't quote me, but maybe pre-1980s or whatever, I think most of your pro or aspiring pro riders, it was all about volume and just, right, just go, go ride. ride. Yeah. Ride your bike. And maybe there's a climb coming up and you go hard up the climb and um, and you just ride and ride and ride and accumulate miles. And that certainly works and gets you fit. But if you don't have that amount of time, um, it's interval training can be a lot more effective and even for pro riders today they do intervals and they you know have power meters and they're very particular and precise about it and um certain periods of the year interval training is very effective to get ready for a a block of racing um even you know for professionals as well as amateurs so um it's very useful training on many levels when i first started uh training for triathlon originally and then bike racing with you, you didn't get me all the fancy stuff. I had a heart rate monitor and a cadence sensor, and I didn't have a power meter. And I learned to do intervals based on a perceived effort, a heart rate, and then getting creative on a certain hill or a stretch of road where I would try to match an effort to that tree or to that, you know, whatever. Um, and then over the last, I'd say, five years maybe, I've had a power meter, and I've learned to do those same workouts with a power meter. Um, and I kind of like the, I like the having had both experiences that I know what it should feel like to do yeah. that type of workout, a two minute interval or a 10 minute interval. Um, and I really love having the power meter now. I, I've never thought of myself as like a data person. I'm not super analytical mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the data that you get intrigued by, but I do love having the metric of the, of the power meter. So you, you know, like sometimes the how it feels is not true, right? Like right. Y- you actually feel better than you think, and you just you just need a little bit of reassurance from the data that right, no, I right. am hitting my numbers. I can do this, um, or it holds you back. We talk about that a lot, like especially it holds you back on the first couple, so you don't blow it. Yeah, that might be one of the most useful uses of power meter I think in it all is. honesty is to keep you from going too hard too early whether it's in a race if you're racing right. with the power meter or in an interval session well we saw that on tuesday so we we went over to green mountain which is one of our local trails and you and the group did the two minute intervals on boxer rocks and i was just there taking pictures i wasn't into the workout that morning 
and um, you and a couple of the kid, the guys were in a group, and there was just a fun camaraderie, and y'all went a little too hard. Right. <laughs> we, we finally got together as a group. We <laughs> were so excited. Yeah, it's like, okay, we, it's interval day, and um, a couple of us have power meters on yep. our bikes, a couple didn't. Um, and so you know better, right? You're the wise oh, coach. Oh, yeah, and I and got you, sucked in. And you got sucked into it. But one of the, ki- the kids, like, really went too hard, and he doesn't have a power meter. Um, it was kind of warm that morning. It was mm-hmm. our, one of our first, first hot days. days. It was like yeah. 80-ish. And out on Green Mountain, it always feels like way hotter than that anyway. Right, full sun and everything. Um, and so he kind of fell apart and had to pull out. I think he didn't do the last interval, maybe the last two intervals. Yeah, we definitely went too hard. Right. I mean, I remember looking down and it was like, I think my target wattage was like supposed to be 375 or something like that. And we were like 400. And we we're going, <laughs> going up, and that he's feels so easy. At yeah, first, and he's right, right with me, and I'm like, wow, maybe I just feel really good. And I know deep down, it's like, <laughs> dumbass. Sorry for the explicit language, but it's like, I know. Why I'm, am I doing? Yeah, this? I should be at the 375 or the 380, whatever it was, and and wait because it's like the fourth, the fifth, the sixth interval are going to be plenty hard. And, so funny. And sure enough, we we paid for it. He blew up, but we were like wheel to wheel, and it was like, this is fun. It's like we're yeah, racing it was so again. So cute. And, um, and I, you know, I held it together for the first set and felt surprisingly good. I think it, like I was doing like 390. I, for some reason I just kept going with it cause I just felt good, but I knew like, mm, we'll see if this yeah. works. And then the second set. Cause you did a set of four by two. Right. And then, and then we took a like little, five or six minute right, break. Little snack break, water break. You did another the set second of four. Set, yeah. The first one was fine. And then it was like an on off switch had been flipped on the, yeah. the second one of the second it. set. Yeah, and it went to like, uh, I think I sh- barely could get it up to 350 at that point. And I was like, what happened? Like, do I, something happened with my power meter and I need to <laughs> recalibrate You're it? You're looking down at your tire to see if it's flat. It was weird because I felt the same, right. but the power had literally plummeted. And then so I pulled it together on the next one and then the last one I could barely again get keep it over. Well, you had actually told so. me you were going to try to do three sets of four. Oh, I didn't even try a no, third set. No, because yeah, at that point, you paid the price. Yeah. You, you kind of ran out of like literal fuel in your body by, yeah, my by pushing too much that first step. But, um, so it's easy to do. It's easy to do, especially if it's hot out. So uh, I guess that's... And I had the, no excuse because I know well, that was way better. I preach and tell people and I have all the equipment and everything to make sure I do it correctly. And I still didn't do it's it. It's okay. So that makes for humans. a funny story. Yeah. Um, but the the young writer uh, doesn't have a power meter. So he was just going by feel. And that is kind of the tough part. If you don't have a it power is. meter, it's really easy to go too hard that first one. So hold yourself back a little bit. Um, and and there, there, there's something to be said too about the... the in regards to that, the benefit of repeating workouts and repeating those workouts in the same course. So right, right. Uh, that way, if you know, like I should get to that turnoff that, that, where the interval's done at two minutes and ten seconds, and you got there a minute fifty-five, right. you probably went too hard. Right, exactly. And I mean, p- power is super beneficial. I think heart rate also is very helpful. Um, you just have to know how the two interact and interplay with each other mm-hmm. when doing intervals, and. Um, and also RPE, like you've been saying, is is very valuable. And there's a lot to be said about, you know, do you even need power or is it better to train with power or not? And there's coaches out there, very successful coaches that um, don't really even bother with power meters mm-hmm. with their athletes. I mean, I'm thinking specifically from our triathlon days, um, 
coaches like Siri Lindley and Brett Sutton and the two two of them have arguably produced some of the best Ironman you know long course triathletes the world has ever seen and they didn't they don't use power I mean even in today's world they don't use yeah they don't prefer to use power they follow like very simplistic models and it's all RPE based and um, I think there's a lot to be said with that. And well, the beauty of that is it translates well to being able to push your body in a race. Like, you know what you can do, and you know how to dig deep, and you know how to accelerate from, like, a medium effort to an ex- intense effort. And, right. I mean, it's kind of cool, really. It's like v- being very in tune with who you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And myself, personally, I don't like to race with power in terms or by power I should say I mean I'll have my the power meter on my bike and on right. my computer screen and whatnot but it's not like a I think there's very few races I mean road time trials and I guess tri- steady triathlons um you know non-draft triathlons tri- you know racing with power is useful for sure but road racing mountain bike racing cross anything that's like more dynamic and not so steady yeah, state there's no point yeah I don't think it's it's super useful I mean it it, it it can be like helpful at times, um, but I, you know, I think it's far more valuable to to race mainly by your RPE, your perceived exertion, and and being able to tune into your ability that way, um, and then to some degree heart rate, especially like longer races. I'll kind of keep an eye on heart rate. Um, I'm thinking like Leadville specifically. Like yeah. I don't like to exceed a certain effort exertion level heart rate wise um, throughout that race and. Um, if I do tend to yeah. see that, I'll slow down. And well, have you, have you ever used it the opposite way where you realize you'd slow down too much? Sometimes. I don't run into that as much anymore. But Well, I, I, I can think of a specific Winter Park race a couple of years ago where, cause, because I'm a female, I'm often by myself because, like, the really good guys are way up ahead of me and mm-hmm. you guys start before we do anyway. And there's not that many girls in the in the field I'm in, so we get spread out and... I was just tooling along through the woods and I looked down and my heart rate was 158. I'm like, oh, I slow down like for several minutes because I I know that I should be at like 162 in a winter park race. High elevation, that's like a good race pace heart rate for me. And sure enough, Lisa Hudson caught me a couple minutes later because I just slowed down and had spaced out a little bit being by myself. Mm -hmm. So that works for me is to keep an eye on um, heart rate to make sure I'm, I'm staying really focused and going hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in a, in a longer race for sure, that yeah. could be possible. Well, and when you're by yourself, or yeah, or just people with less racing experience that don't know how to maybe stay as focused. I guess. Oh, I totally spaced out within a race. <laughs> yeah, calling me out. Well, because some mountain bike races, I'm thinking, yeah, you end up being by yourself in the woods, and it would be easy, I suppose, to get distracted or. I think I did. Yeah, I I, I know that could happen for sure. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot to be said about. You know, training with power, not power. I think it's all useful. I mean, I think in general, metrics are the more, in my opinion, the more you have, the more you can learn about yourself and the more you can kind of direct your training um, and and just kind of manipulate your training, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think you need to have all that stuff, but if you like that kind of data like I do and you want it, then you... Um, and you can afford it. And you can afford it. Then that kind of equipment is definitely useful. And a lot of what we'll talk about coming up is going to be very power-based or specific for the high-intensity interval sessions. 
Um, so I, like I said, I do find it very valuable and for many reasons, the pacing and making, it just makes executing the sets of intervals way more effective and more entertaining and, and enjoyable, I guess. You were going to tell a story about another kid who um, likes to text you about the workouts after, afterwards and tell you what his um, watts were per interval mm-hmm. in case you hadn't seen it on Training Peaks yet. And, and he often says, oh, I could have gone harder. Right. Yeah, so um, maybe just fill. Yeah, so that goes back that. to our initial conversation of, you know, intervals, in my opinion, are not supposed to be max efforts. You're not supposed to be hitting your maximum power output for the given duration of that interval. Intervals, instead, you're targeting a specific energy system that's related to some duration of effort, power output for X number of minutes. And you want to train that power output broken into these intervals. So yeah, often the the young riders on our team will say like, okay, I did exactly what you told me, you know, whatever the watts were for whatever the time was. And they were like, but I could have gone, I could have done more. You know, if it was, let's say they did 350 watts, they'd say, I could have probably done 370 or 380 watts. It's like, okay, it sounds like then you probably did the training correctly. Right. Because the point isn't to go as hard as you can for each interval. It's to go as hard as I'm asking you to go or as hard as what's required to train the energy right. system. And the fact that they weren't as hard as you could go means you're going to be able to recover from this workout that much more effectively. And you're going to have a great ride tomorrow. And you're going to have a great ride. If this was on Tuesday, you're still going to have great intervals on Friday. Yeah. Where if you had gone as hard as you could for every interval on Tuesday you're probably going to struggle on Friday. Yeah, I had a funny conversation with one of the, the riders a couple weeks ago after one of the 4 by 16 minute anaerobic threshold workouts. And it, that is an awesome workout, but it is very challenging. Yeah, that's a great one. It's a hard effort for 16 minutes. Um, and, you know, afterwards the rider said, well, that was like really hard. I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to be hard, so good job. Um, and this particular rider's parent pushes a little bit and like wants that that kid to go like so hard and keep up with with, other, another, rider. with another rider. Yeah. And and I said, "Well, that's a great idea, but that's not where you're at. And really what I want you to do is uh, the least amount of work as possible." Right. And the rider looked at me like, "What?" That's always a head scratcher. I know, like yeah. it was a head scratcher. <laughs> and I kind of giggled when I said it cuz I th- I realized how silly it sounded to tell a kid I'm coaching, "I want you to do as little work as possible." Right. Well, yeah, the least amount of work yeah. to hit what I'm asking I, I, you to Right, do. and so yeah. then we, we talked about it, and I explained it more, and then the next week, that writer absolutely nailed that 4 by 16 minute workout because the pacing was better, that writer held back a little bit and didn't feel that pressure to go with the other writer. Right. It just was so cool to see them to you know respond to yeah. it positively and, and execute the workout better yeah well it creates this environment of success too because intervals can be um sort of harmful mentally if you like have this set of intervals to do and you go too hard yeah. on the first few and then you struggle and can't do the the ending ones or whatever that's tough like on your psyche as well whereas if you pace correctly you do the right amount of work for, for you for you yes. across all of the intervals then you feel great right. and and it wasn't as painful as when you have to go so hard and you 
can't hit the end ones because you went too much, did a little too much early on. Mm -hmm. And then that gets in your head too. Like, oh man, I'm not as good as I thought, or that was really painful. I don't want to do that again next week. Uh, Those sorts of things. You know, when you train with a group, there's a lot of dynamics that become involved. Like Mm -hmm. you compare yourself to other people. And while I think that it's so positive to train with people who are stronger and better than you, that's, I think that's what helped me become a good cyclist pretty quickly because I was training with you and all these other guys. But you can't compare yourself to other people and get discouraged, and you can't necessarily try to do the interval pace somebody else is doing, or you're not going to be successful for that workout, and you're going to feel really crappy about yourself physically, emotionally, right, and mentally. Right. Yeah, and you definitely don't want that when you're working hard towards a, a goal and yeah. proving yourself is yeah. the, is the, <laughs> exactly. the uh, end goal there. Um, well, good. I think that's a good conversation of why we are – fans of interval training we find it extremely effective for all levels of riders um, and being able to use the equipment that you have whether it be perceived exertion heart rate and or power meter using them all together um, and collecting that data if it interests you as the rider and able to you know get that training done and progress with your fitness as opposed to just going out and riding randomly every day um, that sound about right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you were nodding. I don't know, I no, I was, I was thinking about a certain workout. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, no worries. So let's get into maybe how do you how are interval sessions like designed or what's like the yeah, components? Is there a magical formula that make it up? Uh, a magical formula of intervals? No, <laughs> um, there is not. And in fact, the last piece here after we talk about this is about keeping things super simple because intervals can, you can create an unlimited number of interval workouts. Like there's all kinds of different styles and they can be super simple, like five by three minutes, or they can be, you know, these crisscrossing ladder, stair step, pyramid, (laughs) up, down, whatever, you know, where you have to, write out an entire sheet of paper and try to tape it to your handlebars so you can keep track of what you're supposed to do. And I, you know, there's just so many variances there. Yeah. I I, I don't want to get on a soapbox and say... But I'm going to. ...what's right or wrong, but (laughs) more or less keep it simple. But I want to save that for the last bit of the discussion. See, I always get ahead of you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But first I want to just talk about, like, the interval sessions themselves and how how they can be designed. Um, I'm a proponent of, and I think a lot of people are targeting one specific energy system within your interval session as opposed to trying to train all different kinds of intensities. Um, So we've talked about energy systems before. Um, In a quick nutshell, we essentially have three primary energy systems. There's the aerobic or oxidative energy system. That's our low intensity. We're using oxygen to burn fat and carbohydrates, and we have more or less an endless supply we can go all day. Um, then there's the glycolytic energy system. That's where we're starting to burn more sugars, a little higher, what we'd call high intensity training. Um, and then there is basically the lactate system that is more or less a a pure like sprint, like a couple of second type of effort, um, or lifting a heavy weight or something like that. So in general, interval training usually involves the glycolytic energy system so that sugar burning high intensity what we what we in in the endurance world call high intensity training um, ranging from that anaerobic 
threshold or lactate threshold or FTP, you know, whatever name you want to call it, M MSSP, maximum steady state. You know, there's all kinds of names. One. Yeah. Okay. From that is maybe like on the lower end to up through like VO2 max, up through anaerobic power, anaerobic capacity type of training um, kind of falls in there. So that's typically what interval, when people say interval training, they're training one of those sort of three subsystems within that glycolytic energy system. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So within an interval workout, you more often than not want to focus on one system. So you wouldn't necessarily want to train your anaerobic threshold and your anaerobic power in the same workout, like split them up, um, keep it separate. Okay. So target one, one energy system. Now you could do one, one day and one the other day. Um, in most cases, if you do do something like that, you do the higher intensity, shorter interval workout first, and then you do the longer, lower intensity, um, interval day, the second one as a general rule of thumb. Like a Tuesday for the harder workout, Friday for still a hard workout, but not quite as yeah. intense. And, and even in some cases, you could do a Tuesday and a Wednesday, or okay. it depends on the training plan and the person, but um, but rarely would... I, I don't think it's very effective to do both types of intervals in one training session. Okay, gotcha. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, now, based on what energy system or subsystem you're targeting, that will sort of dictate the interval duration okay right. um so lower intensity intervals um can be longer intervals you're, you're going to accumulate more time um and that comes down to so basically if we were training our anaerobic threshold energy system or lactate threshold or um maximum lactate steady state it's all sort of the same thing um you're going to be training these longer durations. So that's an energy system for most people that lasts somewhere between a half an hour and an hour, give or take. And that's what we call our 32-minute power to our 64-minute yeah, power. Yeah, and our, what we choose is that 32 to 64-minute power, exactly, if you're following our um, nomenclature. So we want to do longer intervals that fit into those um, longer energy systems. Okay, so back to our way back to the beginning, we did we we said VO two is fifteen minutes, give or take. You can do five by three minutes. Well, same idea here. If you're going to train your um, anaerobic threshold, that's somewhere between a half an hour and an hour. You know, if you want to train the higher end of that, the half an hour, the thirty-two minute end of that, break that into intervals that are maybe um, four by eight minutes or um, three by 10 minutes or two by 15 or 16 minutes mm -hmm. possibly. And then that'd be pretty challenging at that um, workload or the power level associated with that duration. And same thing goes with, as you go to VO2, that energy system in and of itself becomes a, a much smaller range. VO2 for most people um, is, we define it as between eight and 16 minutes in duration. So you're going to have intervals using that eight to 16 minutes broken up into little bits. And we, we typically, most VO2 intervals are somewhere between two and four minutes long. Right. Um, and that's kind of the, the reason behind that. Now there, there are other ways to do it. You know, you can do VO2s that are like 30, 30 type of intervals or 2010s or 
I mean, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Yeah, that's a very popular VO2 level of workout. You know, there's all kinds of different ways to do this, but this is just, we're trying to keep it relatively simple in this discussion, if that makes sense. And then it comes down to, like, the total interval volume within a workout. Right, that's important. Yeah, and maybe I should have started with that, actually, before interval duration, but the total volume. So if you're training your anaerobic threshold energy system, which we've said is we call between our 32-minute and 64-minute maximal powers. We want to, in most cases, try to get up and accumulate around that 32 to 64 minutes worth of work within the training session, broken up into those intervals. I referenced the 4 by 16-minute interval workout a couple times yeah. already in this discussion because we were targeting our 64-minute power. Exactly. So 4 times 16 is 64 minutes. Right. And we accomplish the volume goal then. Right, exactly. So you're doing in that example 64 minutes worth of work at your 64-minute power capability. Right. Just broken up so it's doable. It's still challenging, but it's right. very doable. Um, and then based on a rider's fitness and ability level, maybe what time of the year it is, um, that sort of thing, you know, you don't always have to do, if it's you're training your 64-minute power, anaerobic threshold power, you don't have to necessarily do 64 minutes worth of work. Often, like in the early base season, maybe you only get about half of that. Like maybe you do two times 16 minutes um, mm -hmm. for a while, and then you maybe do three times 16 minutes. Uh, particularly fit riders, or maybe later on in the season when you've gained more fitness, then you can do the 4 by 16 and maybe even in some cases like more, like 5 by 16 or something like that, um, and accumulate more than the 64 minutes, but usually not a whole lot more. But that is one of the ideas or the underlying principles of interval training is that you can train a specific workload, work capacity, you know, broken into smaller intervals that can accumulate the same amount or even sometimes more minutes of work. So in some cases you could do more work. You could do five by 16 minutes, let's say, possibly mm -hmm. it'd be a really tough workout um, at your 64 minute power, which is a lot more than if you were to try to just by definition do 64 minutes as hard as you could kind of thing. Does yeah. that sort of make sense? So you have that ability to do a little less. Well, what I'm hearing from you is like <clears throat> yeah. progressive. Like when you're not ready. That's the word, yeah. Right. You're you're getting into shape, right? It's January, February, March. You're not, quote, in shape yet. Right. You're in great shape. Yeah, you're early in your base building. So I like the idea of you're just being progressive about it. You you do two by 16 minute intervals in, in one week. A couple weeks later, you do three by 16 and you've worked up to it and you're doing incredible work. Yeah. I mean, that FTP power is, is nothing to, to sneeze at. But you're not going to like exhaust yourself, right? And right. then you you just give yourself time to quote get in shape, and then all of a sudden you can do four by sixteen. And now that we've done that workout twice, I I actually do feel like I could go do five by sixteen. And right, we kind of like to try it. Right, right, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a great way to kind of summarize that. Um, then the other piece of like planning an interval training session to consider is the recovery intervals. Mm -hmm. So the time in between. Um, the, the hard parts of the interval session. Um, and those can be, they kind of have standard protocols and then they can, those can be kind of manipulated based again on maybe your fitness level or the time of the year, or, you know, is this your first time doing this workout in a long time? You know, maybe you have a little more recovery between the intervals or are you getting really fit and this is becoming more achievable then you can maybe shorten the intervals. Can you give an example of how you would do that on a trainer? And then we'll talk about how you do it outdoors. 
Yeah. So trainer, it's super, super easy um, because it's the most controlled environment. Right. Give just like a specific example of a workout. Um, well, okay. So one of my favorite workouts for our indoor base builder time of the year um, are the VO2 intervals where we, um, if I can remember this right, we do four times two minutes at our eight minute VO2 max power. So kind of the top end of our VO2. And the first week we'll do, uh, I think it's a one-to-one ratio. So it's two minutes on, two minutes off. Off being the easy recovery. Then the second week when we do this, or even the second session sometimes, it depends on the year we do it. But the next time you go through this, then we do the same four by two minutes at eight-minute power, but then we drop the recoveries to um, just 90 seconds. So we trim 30 seconds off. So it's a way to – we're doing the same amount of work. We're still doing the eight minutes worth of eight-minute power work, Mm -hmm. but they're becoming, quote-unquote, harder or more challenging – because you have less recovery time. And then the next time you do it, maybe we did four times two minutes with a one-minute recovery. So it's a way to make a workout more challenging, more progressive, like you said, um, without actually changing the amount of intervals you're doing. Yeah, I think it's tough. Like, But it's also just cool to feel like you've gotten in better shape, that it felt so difficult that first week to do two on, two off. And you... And, and you hear the coach, you, say, oh, you think this is hard? Just wait till we trim it to 90 seconds next week. And you have a moment like, oh, my God, I can't do it. Right. But then you can do it. And then yeah. the next week you can do the two minutes on, one minute off. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a, a different way to change the load yeah, a little bit. Yeah, cool. And the, the stress. So, you know, other ways would be if you have, you could potentially start with three times two minutes to get six minutes worth of work at your eight-minute power. And then the next week you could do the four by eight two to get the eight and then maybe the next week you could do five by two to get 10 minutes worth Mm -hmm. you know that'd be another way to do that as well so there's different ways to design a interval workout and um these are just very simple ways where you can see like you could do any number of style or variations of interval workouts but when we're doing these kind of workouts outside your recovery time is pretty much dictated on the terrain yes that's a great point so this time of the year um, we like to do them outside on our bikes that we're going to be competing on. And yeah, very much so. A lot of, I think, interval, especially shorter ones in particular, but if not all of them, doing them as hill repeats is a great way to do it. Um, and in that case, yeah, your recovery then is turning around, coasting or soft pedaling back down the hill right. to the start point. So oftentimes it's not as exact um, because it's hard to find... Like the other day, we were doing some four-minute ones, um, and in theory, I would have liked to have had four minutes worth of recovery, but the downhill was much quicker than the uphill because we were doing like this little loop, um, and so it was like two minutes and forty-five seconds mm, of recovery. Okay, so even with pedaling softly, just coasting, yeah, yeah, down the downhill, yeah, um, and you got down to the bottom, and then we were kind of ready to go, yeah. but. It, it works, and, yeah. it, and and there is no magic reason to it. And we'll repeat that same workout next week, um, and possibly adding an additional interval if we're feeling well that way. So, um, But th- that's one of the, I guess, fun things of, of interval workouts is you can do so many different things with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you just want to be careful not to always be doing different things, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, one last thing before we move on to the keep it simple part is like, 
uh, how do you know when to add more intervals or make the recovery shorter or longer mm. or, you Good know, question. that sort of thing. Um, this is where if you're training with a power meter, using that to target very specific workloads um, and pacing yourself appropriately, you also want to have your heart rate monitor. And your heart rate monitor is telling you how your body is responding to the work that you're doing. Okay. Right, right. So a lot of people are just all in on power meters and they're like a watt is a watt and that's all I'm going to do is do these watts. But what's if you don't have the heart rate with it, you're just missing more you're missing data, you're missing like half of the story of what's going on and how is your body responding. So a good example here is if you're doing let's say 4 by 2 minute VO2 intervals, it's your 8 minute power, you know what that is based off of your training zones and your testing that you've done. So Let's just keep the numbers easy and say it's 350 watts. So if you're doing these 350 watts for two minutes with two-minute recoveries, let's say we're on the trainer to keep it real precise, um, and your heart rate for the first interval is going to get up to, let's just say, 170 beats. And then the second interval will probably get up to 172 or 173 beats. The third interval may be a beat or two higher, and then the last one it's going to be roughly around 90 92% of your max heart rate. When you do that workout again the next time, you're going to see how your body responds. Or anytime you do that workout again in the future. And looking for similarities in where your heart rate goes while you're doing that same exact 350 watts in this okay. example. Yeah. So if you come after a couple weeks of doing this workout, and now instead of your heart rate kind of going from like low 170s to mid 170s, by the end now it's like only going up to say 167 and maybe by the end it's hitting the low 170s, that's a possible indication that you're getting more fit. Like it's becoming easier for you to produce that 350 watts. Your body has adapted to the workload. Your body's adapted, right, and you're becoming more fit. So you're ready now to make some sort of progression and that could be adding a fifth interval or shortening the recovery interval or doing instead of two minute intervals, Pardon me, maybe you're going to do two and a half minute intervals and adding more load to it because right. now you're ready. Um, and then another thing to look at too is your recovery heart rate in between mm, that's a good the intervals one. as you're recovering. So maybe your normal is for it to go from 170 heart rate down to uh, 115 heart rate in the two minute recovery. If for some reason one given day, it, it goes to the 170, but it only comes down to 130, let's say, you got to keep an eye on that because you're not recovering quite as effectively, indicating the possibility of any number of added stresses. So maybe you didn't sleep well, maybe you're a little dehydrated, maybe you're just fatigued. All those sorts of things right. can play a factor. And those can have the fact play a factor on the high end too. So maybe it's extra warm out when you're mm. doing, maybe doing these outside, let's say, and you're used to training and it's 60 degrees and then you have a real warm day that's 80 degrees, you're going to have a higher heart rate. So you need to recognize that, but also know that like that's still a limitation on your body and to, it's probably not the time to add additional intervals or reduce. Because it would be too much stress Because it would be body. too much stress, right. right. Um, so there's a lot of pieces to that. Well, I appreciate that, pers- that approach to training. You, you have the data of a power meter, you have the data of a heart rate um, sensor, and you 
bring them together right. and, and make the whole story. Yeah. And even add in your more... RPE too. Like how do you oh, feel? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that, that becomes the whole story and it, it's wiser for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think it keeps it engaging and entertaining to, to watch and analyze, but yeah, I, I think it's far more effective and you can notice things that are maybe on the horizon, whether it's increased fitness and re you're ready to up the load or reaching too far and you're ready for like some recovery mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So, um, lots of stuff there. Um, yeah. So the last bit here, what's the last bit? Keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> so I've kind of rambled on and probably made this sound overly complex. Um, but keeping it simple interval training in and of itself, I think really needs to be simple. So going back to that idea of like, there's so many ways to do this, I, you know, a lot of like software programs out there and, and maybe coaches or training plans like to have all these like fancy, fancy, fancy yeah, you're going to do this percentage. Oh for my this gosh, and... can I interrupt you? Yeah, go ahead. Here's what my first thought when you say this. Um, so our, Sophia's twin, Noel is a runner mm -hmm. and when the track season got cut short because of the pandemic or it actually never even happened really it just got cut off right her high school coach posted some workouts for them for them to do right, and if you remember this she read us what the workout was supposed to be it was a track workout i had we were all lost. no idea what he was talking right. about and i have years of running track and you were lost yeah you're you were a running coach i wish we had that oh it was so funny it was like so complicated it was this many this, this. we said stop noel <laughs> You and Bridget just go to the track and do, I think we said like four by four hundreds with a, an easy lap in between. Right. That's it. Keep it simple. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is the golden rule, I think, for sure. And I think coaches think that some coaches can feel like it, they're maybe providing more value to their clients or seemingly like smarter or more effective or, or whatever with these super complicated workouts. But I think keeping them... <laughs> Super, super simple is the key. Um, now, all that said, everything I just spoke about for the last 10 minutes probably possibly didn't sound that simple. But once you have like your, you've done some testing, some training, and you have your training zones or levels or whatever you want to call them figured out. Um, in our case, we have a testing protocol we like that we can identify our power levels for the different energy systems. So we know our 32 minute power or 64 minute power our 32 minute power that range comprises our anaerobic threshold and then we have figured out calculated our 16 minute power to 8 minute maximal power that range is our vo2 max system and then the third system the anaerobic power anaerobic capacity is that 4 minute maximal effort to 1 minute maximal effort and that's our range it sounds more complicated than it really is but it's like six numbers to more or less keep in your head and really when we're training a single workout we are thinking about probably one maybe two of those numbers mm -hmm. you know the top and the bottom of that that energy system like the 32 minute power to the 64 minute power right right and okay. then we usually just divide it by four and that's what you do exactly and then we just take yeah those so if we're going to train our 32 minute power we know what that is we're going to divide that by four four times eight minutes is 32 minutes yeah 32 minutes <laughs> and away we go at, at that specific power. That's pretty simple. Yeah. And then as far as recovery intervals go, um, the, the general rule of thumb is if you're outside, you're doing this on a hill, your recovery is coming back down the hill. Mm -hmm. If you're on the trainer for the anaerobic threshold, the longer ones, the 32 to 64 minute power range, 
um, is usually a, a four, so make sure I say this right, a four to one work to rest ratio. So for an eight minute interval, you'd have about a two minute recovery okay. is, the, is the normal. Now, if it's early in the year, your first time doing this, maybe you have three minute or four minute recoveries to make it a little less stressful and more achievable. And then you trim that down. But in general, it's a four to one. So a 16 minute interval at 64 minute power is a four minute recovery on the trainer. Outside, it's coming back down. Uh, two minute VO2 interval. So, so VO2s are usually a one to one. So a two-minute VO2, we usually have a two-minute recovery. Okay. And you can manipulate up and down as you go and gain fitness. And then the anaerobic power, anaerobic capacity, the really short, hard, high-intensity ones, it's usually a... Um, one to two. One to three. Three. Oh, yeah. that's right. One yeah. to three. So a one-minute interval might have three minutes that's recovery. Right. But it can be one to two. I mean, it, again, it can be... Getting up or down, yeah. But the idea is you're going to work so hard on that one minute interval, you want extra rest extra that you can really give your go right. for the next one minute. So as the intensity goes up, the recovery durations, yeah. the intervals get shorter and the recovery intervals get longer. Yeah. So that's kind of the golden rule there. Um, so yeah, it comes down to then once you have know those things, so you know the energy system you're going to train, the duration of that energy system divided by four, and then plug in the recovery mm -hmm. ratio, depending on if it's anaerobic threshold, VO2, or anaerobic power, and you're good to go. And as long as you stick to the power target... Or heart rate target. Or heart rate target, you should be able to um, execute those effectively. And almost always, the first one, if not two, of the intervals are very comfortable. Like, you could go way harder, and you have to hold yourself back. Yep. And this goes back to our starting conversation of doing that, but know that the third one is going to become quite challenging and the fourth one is going to feel almost like a maximum effort, partly because you're now finishing the actual mm -hmm. maximal duration, you know, the, the seventh and eighth minute of your eight minute power in, right. as an example. So um, keeping it super simple in that method. So in our training, in our base builder program, we often do this, the same intervals as we do in our race prep build. Um, although maybe in the off season, in the base builder program, we have a little longer recovery or a little less power because we're not as fit yet. And in the race prep, we might do the same four by eight minutes at 32 minute power, but we're either going to be doing them at a higher power level because now we're more fit, or maybe we trim the recovery a little bit, or sometimes just simply taking it outside from inside to outside depending on the season, um, makes that difference as well. Absolutely, because you have a steeper hill for a workout. Yeah, or... and it's usually hotter and that sort of thing um, in most cases. So but the, the takeaway is keep it simple. Yep, and if people are, if they purchased your plans that you sell on Training Peaks and are using them, they'll know that they are easy to follow and simple. I, I think that's one of the appeals of your training plans, our training plans. Yeah, I try to keep um, them very simple. Yeah, There's nothing really to memorize other than maybe the, the zone numbers. But even once you've done that enough, you you know, yeah. I can remember what I need to be at. Or it's just a quick reference. But in the midst of the workout, you know what your what the goal is. It's very effective. The other thing I like too is the intervals are very, the interval sessions are very repeatable. Yeah, so like we 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 revisit this workout. Is that what you mean? Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, Which I love because you, you see if you're getting faster. Exactly, and that's the the next step is that they're also very measurable. Yeah. Or or provide that 
measurability for you um, because in testing to set these zones and mm -hmm. targets that you're going for, you have to have a good test. And maybe not always do you get the best test. You maybe don't pace well or maybe you just didn't feel well on a given day or whatever. The intervals themselves, the interval sessions themselves become test-like because yeah. you're doing so very true. Very specific work. You're repeating it from week to week and you know, within one period of the season to the next and from season to season, um, it really becomes like this litmus test of you know, are these actually my training zones? Because we had that discussion yeah. with somebody where they had a great test and they were like, I forget what it was. They were, it was either a really good test or they were down on themselves because it wasn't. But we said like, you're, you'll know soon. You go yeah. do these workouts. They're scheduled for the next couple of weeks and you'll, you'll figure it out. Like if you can hold your four by 16 minute numbers, um, if you can hold those 16 minute intervals four times at whatever those Watts are, then then your test was right. Or if it was way too easy, then yeah, you probably just tested pretty poorly because you get too nervous. And so let's, we, we're just going to manipulate and that up, it a, up little a little bit. Each yeah. Week. yeah, exactly. So I think that's the, the takeaway is like, let's keep intervals as complicated as they may seem thinking about them, keep them simple. Target the one energy system mm -hmm. in, you know, in the workout. Repeat those workouts. Repeat the workouts and take that data from the workouts to legitimize yeah. well you do them in a way that they're measurable so if it's yeah. with a power meter the the power meter is measuring the watts if you're doing them by perceived effort then that's fine if you're doing them by heart rate only then pick a hill where you can measure it like i can make it to that tree or i can make it to that bench um and, and so that way you have feedback on your workouts right yeah good point um so i think that's interval training in a nutshell yeah i love interval training <laughs> Um, so it's very applicable to what we're doing. If you're not really sure what the heck you're doing right now without racing going on, um, our anaerobic booster plan is what we're in the midst of. I mm -hmm. highly recommend it, of course. Um, you can j I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, we also have our aerobic booster plan that kind of preceded that. Um, it's a good one, and we're going to bop back into that one. Yeah. Uh, in a month or so, he said? Yeah, I think at this point, I mean, talking about moving forward with the rest of 2020, um, with our with our team anyway, we're, our fingers are crossed for some fall, late summer, fall racing. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you know, at least by September, I'm hoping, if not sooner. Um, and the kids can, the high school kids can have their NICA seasons and things like that. Um, so we're going to finish up the anaerobic, the interval sessions that we're doing now for a couple more weeks. And then we're going to take a little break and do some just easy, fun, really base miles, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like no interval objectives at that point. Um, and just riding for fun and getting some miles in low intensity, kind of a break from the intervals. And then we'll come back and revisit something similar to our aerobic booster plan and work that aerobic threshold. Yeah, I loved that. That I really like that block too. Yeah. I think that's the biggest bang for anyone's training buck is that oh, aerobic threshold. Um, I think it's the most important. It's like that sustainable power mm -hmm. is going to make you a better rider, hands down, um, across all intensities. And then we'll pop back in and do more of these high intensity intervals, uh, like uh, late August, September. Yep. Hopefully, then getting hopefully into getting racing. ready for races. So, yeah. So that's kind of the overall. So how plan. do people find your plans? Um, I'll put the link in the show notes or you can go to the Training Peaks plan store and put my name in the search. Um, but the easiest would be links in the show notes. 
Um, I think that's good. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, if you like what you're listening to, don't forget to give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We're also available on Google Podcasts, uh, but we're really it really helps us in the searching if you can give yeah, us thanks, the rating. Thanks and to reviews. those who have done that. It's really helpful and to share get a review with your friends, cycling um, friends. Just like stay positive. I know this is a weird time. Uh, we've kind of had a couple days of feeling melancholy about our summer being upside down, but you just got to like find something hopeful and joyful and positive and um, just get back on your bike and get outside. Yeah. Keep the training fun, I guess, is and entertaining, which yeah. I think is helpful. We're bouncing in between like aerobic work and then a block and then this anaerobic block and, um, yeah, and hopefully the wet where people are at, their weather's getting better. They're allowed to ride with friends and family now, and they can get out and about. Yeah, that's been nice. It's been really weeks. great. So hopefully you guys can do that too. And um, keep sending questions and, and emails to us. Tell us how you're doing. Ask us um, questions about training, and we'd love to read your question on the next podcast. All right, thanks for All listening. All right, y'all everybody. take care.